the whole thing about creation and creativity. So we're going to start with looking at Genesis 1, and that's where our, our reflections are going to come on from this morning. And I've asked Pete if he would come and read, um, and Pete's going to read Genesis 1. Pete is a, a lovely person to read this, because I know Pete loves his garden. He's a great gardener. Everything he puts his hand to flourishes. You should see the tomatoes in his greenhouse. And actually part of it's Janet, I think, isn't it? The flowers in the garden. <laughs> All right. So he, he, he has such a love of, the, um, of creation. So oh, I thought it would be lovely if, if you I'm could kind. read. So, and, and Pete's going to read from the message version. Often we can come, become so familiar, can't we, with, say, the NIV version. So I think reading from another version will, um, yes, help it come afresh to us this morning. So I think God's rather sneaky, having sort of thought I might duck a bit, miss church a bit, you know. Jackie just gives me a text saying, can you read tomorrow morning? So there we are. Can't escape, can you? <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1. So as Jackie said, we're going to go for the message. If I can see the print. Getting a bit smaller as we get older. <clears throat> First this. God created the heavens and earth. All you see, all you don't see. Earth was a soup of nothingness, a bottomless emptiness, an inky blackness. God's spirit brooded like a bird above the watery abyss. God spoke, light, and light appeared. God saw that light was good and separated light from dark. God named the light day. He named the dark night. It was evening. It was morning. Day one. God spoke, sky, in the middle of the waters. Separate water from water. God made sky. He separated the water under sky from the water above sky. And there it was. He named sky the heavens. It was evening. It was morning. Day two. God spoke, separate. Water beneath heaven. Gather into one place. Land, appear. And there it was. God named the land earth. He named the pooled water ocean. God saw that it was good. God spoke, earth, green up, grow all varieties of seed-bearing plants, every sort of fruit-bearing tree. And there it was. Earth produced green seed-bearing plants, all varieties, and fruit-bearing trees of all sorts. God saw that it was good. It was evening it was morning, day three. God spoke, lights, come out, shine in heaven's sky. Separate day, separate day from night. Mark seasons and days and years. <clears throat> lights in heaven's sky to give light to earth. And there it was. God made two big lights, the larger to take charge of day, the smaller to be in charge of night, and he made the stars. 
God placed them in the heavenly sky to light up earth and oversee day and night, to separate light and dark. God saw that it was good. It was evening, it was morning, day four. God spoke, swarm, ocean, with fish and all sea life. Birds fly through the sky over earth. God created the huge whales, all the swarm of life in the waters, and every kind and species of flying birds. God saw that it was good. God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill ocean, birds, reproduce on earth. It was more... It was evening, it was morning, day five. God spoke, earth, generate life, every sort and kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds. And there it was, wild animals of every kind, cattle of all kinds, every sort of reptile and bug. God saw that it was good. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, God blessed them. Prosper. Reproduce. Fill earth. Take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air. For every living thing that moves on the face of earth. Then God said... Oh, sorry. That's a dual version Bible. Then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree, and given them to you for food. To all animals and all birds, everything that moves and breathes, I give whatever grows out of the ground for food. And there it was. God looked over everything he had made. It was so good, so very good. It was evening, it was morning, day six. Thank you. That was a wonderful reading of Genesis 1. You just want to go, wow. I know we've heard it quite a few times, but it, it really is wow. It is an amazing account of creation. And this, gen- this account of creation, it actually contrasts with other views of um, creation that, that were going around at the time this was written. So Genesis was written in about uh, the 5th or 6th century before Christ. And all the other views of creation um, were about how the gods fought and married and bore children. And there was a lot of battle and conflict and fighting This is in such contrast. There is no struggle, no battle. It's just so, see, almost simple, isn't it? And God said it was just his word that produced creation. 
And it happened. Everything followed seamlessly from him saying, let there be. And that, those three powerful words, let there be, really stood out to me as I was, I was poring over this whole um, topic. It's a beautiful account of creation. It was just from his word that creation came. And I was out on the beautiful Hindhead uh, Common uh, yesterday morning. Oh, so beautiful up there. I, I live in Lion Lane, and it's like my back garden. <laughs> I always think of it as my back garden. And I was just, all this was going around in my head, this whole thing of Genesis 1. And I was thinking I would actually like to call the talk The Wonder and the Why. The Wonder and the Why. And so I want to talk a bit about the wonder, getting back to the wonder, the awe-inspiringness of creation. And then I want to talk a bit about the why questions. So what was there in the beginning? Well, it was formless, it was empty, it was uninhabited, wasn't producing any life, it was watery, was dark. But actually, it's... It's not actually, there isn't a sinister meaning of this chaos and darkness. It's just that God hadn't done his work yet. It was formless, nothing was happening. And then you get this lovely picture of the spirit of God. And the the Hebrew word is ruah. The spirit of God circulating over this emptiness, this uninhabitedness. And the meaning is a bit like um, a bird circulating. I think, isn't that beautiful? The spirit of God, like a bird, circulating over this empty, formless, watery deep. And the Hebrew word for creation is... I love the the Hebrew origins because if you dig deep into the Hebrew words, you get so many nuances of meaning that uh, our English language is is so limited. And the Hebrew word for created is bara. And that is all about creating something fresh and new, and it's related to divine activity. It's the only time that the word bara is used in terms of creation. So it's something absolutely new. But actually, it's not about just producing matter. Yes, matter is absolutely amazing, and I'm going to mention some amazing facts in a minute. But intrinsic to all that is about creating roles and purpose. We're created in love. We're not just a bunch of cells and and organs, actually we are birthed in love and in relationship. John 1 verse 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him him, all things were made. And in Proverbs it talks about creation being formed out of wisdom. So all things were created through his word. 
science tells us all sort of amazing things, doesn't it? And um, I have to say, I was getting carried off, carried away on the internet. So I was <laughs> even this morning, I was like, "How many galaxies in the universe? How many universes are there? How many stars in the universe?" <laughs> you could just go on and on. It is really stunning what science has done. But science can only tell us about the what and the laws of how it all works and the nuts and bolts of how it all works. It can't tell us why. It hasn't even begun to tell us why. So I want to tell you a few amazing facts that I've gleaned. And I'm sure some of you, because you have very big brains and you'll, you'll know some of these facts. Um, if, if we talk about the speed of light, so that's the way we see things, if you could travel the speed, at the speed of light, you would be able to go around the Earth 7.5 times in one second. Okay? That's how quickly an image reaches your eye. Okay? So speed of light is 7.5 times going around the earth in one second. Okay? Got that? <laughs> the Hubble telescope, okay, which is an amazing telescope, I think it's in America, is it? Has enabled them to see into space. Because of the speed of light reaching us, it enables us to go back 13 billion years into the past. Okay? That is amazing, isn't it? So watch, what, even if we look up in the night sky, we're actually looking into the past because of how quick, uh, the, the length of time, how quick light reaches us. There are about 200 billion galaxies in the observable universe. In fact, now they talk about the multiverse because, and in fact, now they talk about infinity, apparently, because they, they think that there are an infinite number of, of universes. Um, our little galaxy is the Milky Way, and there are 400 billion stars, of which the sun is one of them, of course. Did you know that you are made of stardust? The nitrogen in your DNA the calcium in your teeth and the iron in your blood were made of the interiors of collapsing stars. We are made of star stuff. The brain is the most complex object in the known universe. We get carried away with computers and how wonderful computers are. They are nothing on the brain. We have a thousand trillion... I don't even know what trillion is, neural connections and more than 100,000 miles of nerve fibres. And our neural signals go at 250 miles per hour. Amazing. The average head, average head, has 100,000 hairs. <laughs> has a hundred trillion cells and each of those is ten thousandth of a centimetre. Each cell takes in nutrients and converts it to energy and there are thousands of different chemical reactions. 
Um, every hour, the hour that you're sitting here, one billion of your cells in your body will have been replaced. One billion cells, and each of those cells is like a universe in its own right. I really encourage you to go on the internet and look at an image of a human cell. Um, and it's got mitochondria, it's got DNA, it's all got, it is a little universe in its own right, and it is incredible. Um, did you know that the human nose can detect about one trillion smells? And here's an interesting one. Our ears and our noses never stop growing. I'm not quite sure what that means. <laughs> so, and all this from let it be. And if God can do all that, just think about the struggles in our lives and what we face. Lord, let it be. That is, that, that is, when you look at creation, you, we just see a tiny reflection of our creator God. And in just looking at all this, I, I just feel in awe of God, absolute awe of God and creation. Of course, the scientists uh, very, seem very much agreement at the moment about, at the moment, about cosmos beginning with a big bang. You know, that must have made a very bright light. And actually, everything in science, there's nothing that conflicts with what we know of creation. It just, what the scientists discover just helps us, um, expands our awe of God. And what does God do? He blesses creation. And I think this is a wonderful uh, thing, this blessing. Uh, reading from um, a little commentary on Genesis. Later, God blessed the seventh day. Oh, and he blessed, he blessed the animals, he blessed men, and the seventh day. Blessing in the Bible is a word of vitality, creativity, and fulfillment. The whole of the ongoing life of creation is the outworking of God's blessing. The whole of creation is now caught up into the divine blessing. There is an exuberance, a delight in creation. God's blessing is the music of creation's dance. So with the, the wonder of creation... Let's be encouraged to just open our eyes, to just give praise to God for the wonder of his creation. I think of Psalm 139. You formed my innermost parts, all of those trillions of cells. You knit me together in my mother's, mother's womb. I will give thanks and praise to you, for I am fearfully, awesomely, and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and when I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed, and the amplified version says, as if embroidered with many colors. Isn't that beautiful? 
When I was being formed in secret and intricately and skillfully formed, as if embroidered with many colours in the depths of the earth. That's, that's a, a beautiful thing, actually, do, to take those verses from Psalm 139 and offer that as a prayer to God. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I praise you. It's also a reminder to treat each other with, with dignity. When we look at the, the poor person begging on the street, the vulnerable person, the seemingly outcast person, how do we value them? So the wonder of creation. And then there's the why of creation. So God gave us a mandate to rule over the, the earth. with, um, And that rule is about responsible taking care of. He gave us a purpose. So it wasn't just creating us as matter. Actually, he created us as a purpose. He created us in his image. What does it mean to be created in his image? There's been a lot of discussion over that in the, the cent- over the centuries. But there seem to be three aspects to that. One is that we obviously have the attributes that God has, so we can reason, we can reflect, we can we have emotions. So God has, and God has emotions. So we have the attributes of God. But there's also an important thing about relationship. Actually, in the word God created, it wasn't just about, as I said earlier, about creating matter. It's about creating. Being created in his image, his image is all about relationship. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We're created in a relationship image. And our role is also, our purpose is also, sorry, our, our, the, being created in the image of God is also about tending his garden, looking after this world. And, of course, looking after the environment is a big part of that, isn't it? And I don't know about you, I do get a bit overwhelmed with this environmental thing. And every time I buy something in plastic, I feel, oh, no, that's, that's going to sit in the landfill for another billion years. <laughs> but I, I kind of, I have a beeswax wrap. If you've not heard of a beeswax wrap, it's brilliant. It's a replacement for plastic. And I look at it that every time I use a bit of beeswax wrap... I've saved a bit of cling film. So I look at the positive side. I don't try to less look at all the bits of plastic and I try to limit that, but let's look at what we can do, at how, what we can do to, to look after our earth. So made in the divine image, we're blessed to be fruitful and multiply. But we have deep purpose I work for CWR, which is a Christian uh, ministry in Farnham, and the core of all that CWR teaches through all the courses and a lot of our publications are about our purpose. 
and what has happened as a result of the fall and how we can get back to being restored in the image of God, being restored to our purpose. And there are three deep needs of each of us, of the human personality. And I know some of you have been on the CWR courses. Anybody can give me those three. Ten marks for you, Pete. (laughs) Security, significance, and self-worth. So security is that we are loved. We belong and we are loved. God made us. We're in the Garden of Eden. We are in his universe. We are loved. Significance. We ha- it's all about having self-worth, which is kind of linked to being loved, but it's actually about worth. We're created in his image. We have worth. You know, the message says we're God-like. It's not, it doesn't mean that we're God. We have the likeness of God. We have worth. Significance, self-worth. Security, self-worth, and significance. Significance is all about having a purpose. We're given a purpose to tend the earth. What does that look like? It looks like all the, uh, the gifts that we've each been given that are involved in tending the earth. I love to um, bring things to life and to make creative things. And that, that's all about the creativity in the arts. is all about reflecting and bringing to life um, what God has created. Some of you drill oil, some of you crunch numbers. It's all about looking after the earth. We have deep purpose. And you know, if you have lost a sense of purpose, I would just encourage you to to come back to that understanding that God has given you a deep purpose. And maybe that's something you could do with prayer for. So time is running out. By the way, the three... Um, security, self-worth and significance just this month um, a book is out by CWR look out for it, it's called this is not a plug plug although it is kind of plug um, called These Three Things and it's a book with a stool on it and if you go to the Christian Resource Exhibition I saw the other day that my colleagues have, printed, uh, have painted lots of little stools on three legs and that's to have as an image of security, self-worth, and significance. So I really encourage you to get that book, These Three Things. And it's, it's on the internet. You can pre-book it. So I just wanted to come to uh, a close. All about the wonder and the why. The wonder and the why. As I was walking here, I picked this up. Isn't that absolutely beautiful? And out of that comes the conquer. And Julian of Norwich, who was a Christian mystic. I also have a, an acorn, which grows an oak. Uh, no, that one, grows a, that one grows an oak tree, doesn't it? Um, and this one grows a horse chestnut tree. Thank you. And Julian of Norwich saw the wonder of God's creative love in a hazelnut. Now, I don't have a hazelnut, but it could just as well be the acorn or the conquer. In this little thing, I saw three truths, she said. The first is that God made it. The second, that God loves it. 
And the third, that God sustains it. So in those things, I see the creative and sustaining love of God. And I encourage you this week to pick something up from nature and keep it on your kitchen table and remember the truths. Let, let it speak to you. God creates and God sustains. And this is an expression of his love. We are too. So as well as looking up an image on the internet of the cell of a human body, collect something like that. And I also want to mention Emily Dickinson's short poem. Earth is crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck back blackberries. So let's take our shoes off, so to speak, and consider creation, which is a reflection of our our wonderful creator God. Let's pray. Father, we are absolutely in awe of your creation. We thank you that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. When we think about the, even just one cell of the trillions in our body, when we think of the infinite number of universes, Father, this is awesome. We thank you for your hand in creation. We thank you that each minute you go on sustaining us. We couldn't live if it weren't for you. Thank you, Lord. We just express our wonder at your creative hand. And Lord, we thank you that it's not just about matter and function and the stuff of of life. It's actually more importantly about the relationship and the purpose and your love that you have birthed each one of us into. And Father, I pray that each one of us would this week just glimpse a little bit more of our purpose and the love you have for us and the divine image that we carry. Amen.